for all things good, there must be something bad. I've said what's good about the Hobbit trilogy. Now it's time for me to tell you what I think is wrong with the Hobbit trilogy after this intro. Hey guys, Brent here for Geek Variants for another exciting breakdown. This time, we're in The Hobbit. We're on What is Bad With It? And I still have no suggestions in the comments below as to what I should cover next. So I might just cover the Lord of the Rings, cover up the whole trifecta, because we already got the Rings of Power done and out the way. If you're subscribed to the channel, you already knew this. If not, be sure to either subscribe or hit that notification bell if you want to be notified of any content rolling down the pipe that we at Geek Variants have for you. Enough of the banter, though. Let's get into what you're actually here for. Look, the Hobbit trilogy did a lot of things right. You also did a lot of things terribly. And look, start off with the point-blank obvious statement. The Hobbit should not have been a trilogy. There is not enough book material to make a trilogy out of it unless you put turn 50 pages each into a movie which would leave you with a cluster of a story at best. I mean, look, the Rotten Tomato score says it all. The first movie, 64%. The second, 74%. The third, 59%. The two that you relied upon the books the most and sourced the materials, the best four were the first two, 64% and 74%. So that's not bad. Combined, 69%. Nice. Not bad, but not really where you want to compare this to, you know, say, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, which was outstanding in every aspect of just about everything, but yet still had some flaws that I can talk about at other points in time. But the fact that there's not enough book material to cover three movies, you definitely made some serious stretches in judgment. And some of those stretches in judgment exacerbated your actors to no end. And this movie is notorious for Peter Jackson saying this needed to be two movies. However, it's really hard to sell a two-movie thing. What do you call it? Like a duality? What? what a two-movie duo? You say the word trilogy. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I know whether it's good or bad. Trilogies sell well in the minds of people. For some reason, all good things come in threes, for the most part. And, well, this was not one of them. This should have been two movies, and I have to agree with Peter Jackson on that. The other thing that needs to be talked about, Peter Jackson was not given the proper amount of money or the proper amount of time to make these movies happen. If you're going to give him the demands of three movies, you need to give him time to make three movies. The reason The Lord of the Rings was a masterpiece he wasn't rushed, the budget was there, and he's allowed creative direction with the project overall. I mean, it was literally an ad adaptation for a book, so I'm not going to call him like a master of anything, but, you know, he still adapted the story quite well. But when you rush someone in their work, things kind of don't turn out so good. And the fact that you didn't hire him in the first place was kind of probably our issue. They originally hired Guillermo del Toro, just Guillermo. 
Guillermo del Toro. For those of you that are, you know, unfamiliar with him, he kind of directed a lot of great movies, including Pan's Labyrinth and Hellboy, just for starters. But moving on even past that, when you adapt something, you should probably stay accurate to your story, correct? Well, they didn't. And for me, and for some of you who may let me know in the comment section, you may or may not agree that when you adapt something, it needs to be done well. And for me, I did not agree that their adaptation was good. And a lot of my main issues stemmed from two things and two things in particular. First off, you established Sauron and Smaug as your two main villains, which Book accurate, you got one right off the jump. Smog is easily the main villain of everything going on. Sauron is not really present, but is still present because it's his armies, his people that are pushing the agenda. And ultimately, they do show up for the Battle of Five Armies, but Sauron is not there. He's busy. And I'm not talking about Angband. Like, he's over at the eye. He's, he's not here. He's gone, not not present whatsoever. And then on top of that, you brought in Azog the Defiler. And cool, creative character. A tall, pale, white orc. Well-spoken, really in love with his culture. Super prominent figure because he was apparently one of the tallest orcs who's ever lived. You got me there. That's cool. I like that. But I don't like where you placed him. By the time the Battle of Five Armies takes place, let alone the unexpected journey takes place, um, he's been dead for a long, long time. In the books, he died 2799 of the Third Age, which is quite a while before we get to The Hobbit. Um, what led to this series of events is semi-simple. 2790, Thor shows up with his friend Nar, says, hey, we're going to take back Moria. Azog's there with a whole throng of people. Things don't go Thor's way. And ultimately, Azog just straight up decapitates. I mean, decapitates Thor. Carves his name in runes right on his head. Full big thing. Very disrespectful. Uh, Naro asks for the body back. Azok says no. And in fact, he grabs a purse of bunny, throws it at Nar, says this is all you're going to get from me for it. And then as Nar is fleeing, he looks back over his shoulder, and orcs are literally shredding the body of Thor. Whole big political thing sets off a big old war. About three years later, they finally get armies assembled to go avenge Thror. Six years after that, we finally get to the Gates of Moria, where Azog is ultimately killed. Well, Thorin doesn't do it. He is there, but he doesn't do it. Uh, you know, his other son, Thrain, he also doesn't kill Azog. Hell, he's just a player, part of everything going on. You know who does? Dane. Yeah, I remember that overtly Scottish dwarf voiced by one amazing actor who, 
is, you know, in many, many shows, Billy Connolly, he is the one that does it. He kills him. And that's kind of a big issue if you're going to introduce him as a main villain for this. Literally just rewrite everything to convenient fit a figurehead for the, the orc army. And also, Azog is mentioned as a goblin in The Hobbit at times, but upon further inspection, it turned out that is basically irrelevant. Goblin is apparently synonymous with a orc, so that's just, you know, me. Um, and also Bulgus' son. Didn't get that at all. I thought that was his brother from the movies. The movies were rather vague about that. Like, I thought it was his brother or, like, his friend. Never really got the whole son thing, but hey, whole other thing. Then we get to some more erroneous choices. And ultimately, the ones that bothered me the most. Legolas and Tariel. I get having Orlando Bloom is a big draw and just saying you have him back is fantastic for sales and it's fantastic. Hell, I love me some Legolas. I have a Legolas Funko Pop right over there. Fantastic character. Well written in The Lord of the Rings and one of my favorite characters in Middle Earth, period. However, he's not here in the book at all. He's already on his journey. He's already doing other things. He's left Markwood. It's They are in his realm. But he's not there. He's gone. He is missing, busy, or otherwise occupied. And not only did you include him, you put him as part of a love triangle between this created character, Tariel, who was well acted out, I will say. But also not there at all in the book and uh now we have her as part of a love triangle with keely and legolas and just for proper context of things her and legolas have known each other for a long time we're talking hundreds if not maybe even a thousand years they have been friends if not slowly growing towards lovers for a long 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 period of time and ultimately, Legolas in the books never marries, never has children, never does any of this stuff. He's just Legolas. He doesn't care. He doesn't need any of that stuff. He's not a part of it. So to have this be a prominent thing in a movie adaptation is erroneous at best. And she knew Keeley for two, maybe three days at most, maybe a week. And you want to convince me that that love is real? That love is about as real as when your preschooler comes home and is like, I just got married at recess under the tire swing. Like that's, no, that's, or, that's wrong. It's not legitimate. It's fleeting. It's passing. It's not important. And you're saying Legolas lost to this man? I'm just saying if you're going to go for this angle, it needs to be done correctly and it needs to be done in a way that we believe that at any point in time she would have ultimately chosen Keeley. And while Keeley's nice, he's a good dude, and he's an excellent character, the fact that they rushed this, forced us in, and thought this enhanced the plot in any way foolish at best. 
Sure, fans have tried to fix this by throwing a band-aids of fan fan theories on it. And the popular fan theory is that their love is a adaptation or a loose recreation, I should say, of the love between Gimli and Galadriel. Because, you know, Gimli is staunchly against the elves by the time he gets to Lothlorien, but he meets Galadriel and all of a sudden he is a 100% now I'm a believer song breaks out full Shrek song dance musical coming on. And he's like, a one friend of the elves no more racism from his part no more racism from the elves part everyone is getting along beautifully but that also has its limitations gimli loved galadriel in the sense of her purity her light her wisdom and he didn't mean at any point in time to try and make it a romantic kind of love um galadriel was kind of already married so that that was already done that was spoken for it was it was finito and she had love for Gimli because Gimli was calm, quiet, and respectful. He didn't do anything that was out of bounds. He was just a gentleman through and through, and she respected that. And that was ultimately shown by the fact she gave him three strings of her golden hair, which ties into a whole other thing I can get on a tangent on, but there are other videos for that. And ultimately, my issue with this is, once again adaptation versus fan fiction and by forcing this movie to become three parts you force it more into the realm of fan fiction when it needed to be more of a faithful adaptation in two books i mean in two movies you could have gotten done exactly what you needed to from this one book the fact that you felt the need to stretch it out shows that the glitz and glamour of commercialism and turning a profit at the end of the day was more important than giving the fans a story that we all deserved. And since you have listened to this part of the story so far, you might as well be subscribed for all the love, fun, and enjoyment we have here at Geek Ranks for you, the listener. Leave your thoughts in the comments below with everything you thought I got right or got wrong, especially things I got wrong. And for Will's friend, you're welcome. I fixed it. I paid attention. We'll see you guys in the next episode, which will likely be two weeks out. I have a special for you guys next Friday. Peace.